In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a love for our neighbor and a concern for the most vulnerable among us, we have suspended in-person worship for the time being, but we know that we can never suspend worship of the living God. That whether we are gathered together or we are scattered apart, whether we are near or far, it is the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that brings us all together through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring our praises and our worship to God. Worship is when we offer the best of what we have on earth, the best of our music, the best of our prayers, the best of our proclamation of God's word, and we offer it back to God along with our prayers for the things that are, uh, are needful, are sorrowful, are, our prayers for healing, our prayers for forgiveness, all of this is bound up in worship. And we worship with followers of Jesus that are part of our community known as the local church. We worship with followers of Jesus in our town and in our state and around the world because we are God's people by the, by the cross of Christ, by the resurrection of Christ and the ascension of Christ. We are God's people made one in Christ and brought into one family. This week is the beginning of something that we are calling <clears throat> One Church, One Book, and we are studying the Lord's Prayer through, uh, through worship for the next six weeks. We are studying the Lord's Prayer through uh, community groups that will meet through the next six weeks. And we're going to study the Lord's Prayer by practicing it for the next six weeks. But to the end of the, regarding the community groups, the, the community groups are to be meeting outdoors. And given the fact that the temperatures for this week in Oregon City are supposed to be uh, at least 95 or above most of the days this week, we are going to start the discussion groups a week later. And so they will begin uh, the week of September the 13th, and your, uh, your group leader will be contacting you uh, with more information about that later on this week. Regarding saying the Lord's Prayer, our challenge for you, our, our, our hope for you, is that you'll say the Lord's Prayer daily. Now, the Lord's Prayer can be found in uh, the way that we usually know it is found in the book of Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And there are many different translations of the Lord's Prayer, as there are many different translations of Scripture. Uh, some people may know it, you know, the, the traditional, Our Father who art in heaven. Other people may read it out of more contemporary translations. And however you want to say the Lord's Prayer is fine, but pray it daily. Pray it not as something that is dry and on a page, but as something that is a gift from our Lord Jesus Christ to us. That when... When he wanted us to know how to pray, and we'll talk more about this later, he gave us this prayer. And so 
we're going to pray it. We would like for you to be praying it daily. Uh, if you want to pray it more often than once per day, you, please go right on ahead. But if you only have time for one prayer this week, try praying the Lord's Prayer. Because the words and the language that are in it have been prayed uh, and have inspired Christians to follow Jesus in fresh and deep and growing ways uh, for hundreds and hundreds of years. I'd also like to remind everybody that we do have a Zoom coffee hour that meets Sunday mornings at 1130. Uh, the link for that is in the church newsletter and also is in your Friday email. And if you do not uh, have the link, if you're listening to this and would like to participate, you can email baptist.church at comcast.net, and we will be happy to send the Zoom link to you. We pray that you are well. We pray that you are living in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and that you are worshiping him in spirit and in truth this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. Then you will tell him, This is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. I commanded you, let my son go, so he can worship me. You received God's spirit when we adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us, who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called him my son out of Egypt. See how very much our father loves us? For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. Lord, look down from heaven. Look from your holy, glorious home and see us. O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hands. Surely you are still our Father. 
Even if Abraham and Jacob would disown you, Lord, we would still be, you would still be our father. You are our redeemer from ages past. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Still as you call me Deeper still 
in prayer. Dear Father God, your word is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. Your word is a glue of the universe wherein the whole creation coheres. Your word is the address of promise and command by which we live. Your word has become fleshed among us, full of grace and truth. We are creatures of your word, and we give thanks for it. For all that we are more dazzled that your word is carried, uttered, acted by frail, vulnerable human agents. We ponder and give thanks for those who this day speak your word where it is desperately needed and deeply resisted. We ponder and give thanks for those who this day act your word for newness and peace and justice. We ponder with trepidation that among us you will yet designate such carriers, such speakers, such actors. In our thanks for your word, we pray for courage in the name of the one who emptied himself. Lord, I lift up all the prayer requests to you. I pray for those who have illnesses that you would be with them, that they would feel your love for them. Give them relief from their pain. Comfort them in, your most, in their most trying of times. I pray for those who have other needs. Some may have relationship problems. I pray, Lord, that they give the problem to you and rely on the Holy Spirit for a solution. For those who have financial difficulties, my prayer is that they trust you because you have a plan in place for them. I pray for the Raycraft family who are mourning the death of Anne Marie's mother. Though there is sadness, there is also rejoicing in heaven for God has called home another one of his children. Be with Barbara Hannett's family as they go through the grieving process. Give them peace and comfort during this period of grieving. I lift up the prayer requests of the young church to you. You know their needs. Help them to put their faith and trust in you. Be with Melissa as she teaches them what it means to pray the prayer you gave us. Empower her with the Holy Spirit as she teaches how praying this prayer can enhance their worship. Be with our One Church, One Book Discussions group as we study the prayer that you gave to your disciples and how we can enhance our worship and have a deeper fellowship with you. 
School will be starting soon, and I lift all the teachers, students, and school staff to you. School will be starting a little different than it usually does. Give the teachers strength and courage to be the best they can be as they prepare for the school year. I pray for those who cannot find relief from the heat that we, may, that we as God's people, can show them mercy. I also pray that we understand the value of our work as a witness to our God, who created and put us in charge of continuing his careful, loving, creative work. Help us to be focused on that work that you have called each one of us to do. Lord, I thank you for this congregation and ask that you bless each person. I am thankful for their faithful giving to further the work of the gospel. I thank you for each person who has reached out to someone with a word of encouragement and brought a ray of hope into their life. Be with our pastor today as he brings us his message on Our Father. May he convey to us the words given him by the Holy Spirit. May this podcast be a blessing to all that hear it. In your name I pray, amen. Our scripture for today comes to us from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, and we'll be looking at verses 7 through 9. And this is Matthew, chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Danny Tanner is not my father. Danny Tanner was the father in the 90s sitcom Full House. And Danny Tanner, uh, the, the story went from the sitcom, was the widowed father of three children who lived in a surprisingly large house in downtown San Francisco. <clears throat> and he lived there with his three daughters, DJ, Stephanie, and Michelle, and his brother-in-law, Jesse, and his best friend, Joey, and these three men who would later be joined by Jesse's wife, Rebecca, um, would raise these three children together. And as you watch the show, there were, you got this picture, and, and if you go back and watch it, I think it's probably on uh, TV land or one of the channels that shows like old so-called TV shows, which makes me feel old. Um, if, if you go back and watch it on there, it's, it's a snapshot of what the ideal father was supposed to look like. And, and Danny Tanner always seemed to have the answer, and he always seemed to know what was going on, and if he didn't, then he would ask 
uh, either his best friend, who was a stand-up comedian who also did ventriloquism with a gopher, and, or his brother-in-law of his dead wife, who was an Elvis wannabe and played in a rock and roll band, sometimes with the Beach Boys. I never got that one. But if something went wrong that was above his head, he would ask for help, but then he would always go back to his daughters and always have the right answer. And no matter what problem the girls or anybody had, Danny Tanner could fix it in approximately 22 minutes, 30 with commercials. And so you kind of wanted, like, Danny Tanner to be your dad. Uh, you know, he, he, was a, he was kind of a kind-hearted guy, and, and even in, like, the, the girls' teen years, he never got really strict. So this was, this was what you thought you wanted as a dad. And the reality is that being a, a father is, is a much more complicated thing. I am not a father. Uh, but I do have close friends who are, and the thing that I've discovered by living vicariously through them is that your parents don't have an instruction manual on how to be a parent. Like when you're little, you think that your parents just know what they're doing, but then once you get old enough that you know, either you have kids, your friends start having kids, you find out Nobody knows what they're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Your, your, you know, your parents never knew what they were doing. They were just trying their best as they went along, which is why somebody like Danny Tanner was so appealing, because he just always had this appearance that he knew what he was doing. We come to our, uh, our, the beginning of our look at the Lord's Prayer, and the first phrase is, Our Father. Uh, and, and in the traditional, it is, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And in the New Living, Living Translation, we have, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And it would behoove us to kind of look at the setting of the Lord's Prayer and to see where exactly that phrase fits in. The Lord's Prayer, as we will be calling it, um, appears in two different places in Scripture. The first place is where we most commonly read from, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, in a section of Scripture known as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus uh, began preaching, and in the Sermon on the Mount, we get Jesus's, for lack of a better term, politics the way that Jesus intends the world to be ordered and the way that Jesus intends for things to be in his kingdom. And so he gives this prayer in the middle of it. The other place is in the book of Luke, chapter 11, verses 2 through 4, and it's much shorter uh, in the book of Luke. And there are just a few differences, and, and we'll, not, we'll not talk about those today. We'll come back to those later. But those are the two places in Scripture where you can encounter the Lord's Prayer. Christians have been praying the Lord's Prayer for as long as the church has existed. There's an early Christian uh, manual called the Didache, um, that we have from very early on in the life of the church within the first few centuries of what we would call Christianity. 
and it recommended that followers of Jesus pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. And if we you know, kind of translate that into our modern routines, uh, it would be very easy to remember to pray the Lord's Prayer whenever you sat down to eat. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. Unless you're you know, the type of person who likes to have a, a few nibbles every couple hours, in which case you could end up praying the Lord's Prayer six or eight times, which I don't think would be the worst thing. The Lord's Prayer is set in the Sermon on the Mount because it is not a prayer in the sense that it's supposed to be something that is acquisitive. We are not praying the Lord's Prayer so that we get something. You know, we, it's not a bad thing to bring to the Lord our, uh, our praises and our thankfulness and our gratitude, yes, but it's also not a bad thing to say, Lord, here are some situations that are, that are well above my pay grade, that I don't have control of, where people are, are hurting and, um, and don't know what to do, and I can only hold it up to you and ask you to, to bless these situations. This is not that prayer, because the Lord's prayer forms us into being people who have a right relationship with God. It forms us into being a people who have a right relationship with each other. And we do this all at the feet of Jesus. And so when we look at the Lord's Prayer, one of the first things that we notice is that it is not singular, it's plural. If you read it, our Father who art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's, it's not singular, it's plural. And so while, yes, we pray it as individuals, it reminds us that we are a group. We are collective. We're God's people. In the section that we're looking at today, Our Father, and sometimes the Lord's Prayer is known as the Our Father, and that's okay. You can call it that. It's just the way it begins. The word Father, uh, that we, the word we translate as Father, comes to us from the Aramaic Abba. And we're not talking about this, the Swedish band uh, from the 70s, Abba. We're talking about this word that can sometimes be translated as, um, as what small children would call their dads. Abba, Papa, Daddy. But it, it's more than just that. It's not just... A, a term for, uh, for children. It's a, it's a broadly used term through both Scripture and uh, the culture of Jesus' time, and it was a term of respect, and it was a term of respectful familiarity. Um, so so where, where you might uh, know somebody, you might have a boss or a supervisor or something if you're, when you were in your, your working years, 
and uh, maybe you were supposed to, you know, most people called that person Dr. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so, but you could get away with just calling them by their last name or by their first name um, or by, hey, Doc. And Abba was a respectful word of familiarity. And so Jesus introduces us to praying our Father, our Papa, our, our person who we love and respect in heaven. And the fact that, that God is in heaven does not mean that God is far away from us, but it means that God reigns. That heaven is God's, heaven and earth are both God's reality, but God resides in heaven, which is very near to us, a lot nearer than we all imagine. And God reigns from heaven, and at some point, heaven and earth will be one. Heaven will come to earth and will be one, and God will reign over us directly. And we will, when we say our Father, we will be seeing it, saying it face to face with God. But when we say our Father instead of my Father, it puts, brings into perspective a few things that we have to understand, not just about our personal relationship with God, but our corporate relationship with God as well. Because by putting all of this in the plural, Jesus is inviting God's people into a new reality that we live out together. By saying our Father, we realize that we are adopted into the family of God. Now, when Jesus said this, he had not yet been crucified, resurrected, and ascended. And so when he's saying this the first time, it's in the context of Jews and Gentiles, and, and his reign has not yet been established by those keystone events. And so there is talk prior in the, the scripture that we read, you know, don't pray as, other peop as people of other religions do. And in some translations, it says don't pray as the pagans or don't pray as the Gentiles do. And so there's a little bit of separation between the Jews and the Gentiles. And Matthew was writing to a primarily Jewish audience who would have understood already God is their father. This wasn't new to them. As you heard in the creative scripture reading, uh, the, first, uh, the first phrase that Katie read was from the book of Exodus chapter 4, and it was the first place where God is referred to as father. Because God as father called his son, Israel, out of Egypt. And he told Pharaoh to let my son go so that my son can worship me. There is another Jewish prayer that, that shows up over and over again, uh, and it's called the Avinu Malkienu, which means our father, our king. They were used to praying this. 
But what Jesus would do would be to open up the fatherhood of God to the rest of us, to the rest of the world. And it's through the blood of Christ, it's through the death of Christ that we're invited into this family, that we're adopted into the family of God. This means that we're not out here doing this on our own. We're not out here crying out for a father by ourselves. That we are part of the very family of God. That Jesus is our brother. He's our Lord, he's our Savior, but he's also our brother. And that when you see other followers of Jesus, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we say our Father, we claim the same relationship with God that Jesus did. A close, intimate, personal relationship where we are drawn into the life of God through the ways of Jesus. Now, if you think about that for a second, that's a glorious thing, but it also means that while we share in the glory of being able to call God our Father, we also have to share through Jesus. We also have to share in the sacrifices of Jesus. Because part of Jesus' vocation on earth was, yes, to fulfill all of the promises of God. Paul tells us that all of the prophecies and predictions and the promises of God to God's people in the Old Testament find their yes in Jesus Christ. But one of the promises of God was that there would be a representative of Israel who would be crushed. And so we don't just get to enjoy familyhood as you know, a big family reunion. We're not just you know, sitting around eating fried chicken and potato salad. We are sharing in the glory, but also the sufferings of Christ for the sake of the world. Because this is the family that we've been adopted into. Being part of this family also means that we get to speak the holy name of God. When scribes would be copying down uh, the Old Testament, what we know as the Old Testament, the Torah um, and, the, and the other books, the whole thing was often referred to as the Tanakh. When they would be writing it down, if they came to the name of God, they would send away for a new quill and new ink because they had written the holy name, Yahweh, Elohim. But now we say, Father, freely through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus gives us this prayer so that the name of God can be our, on our lips. And furthermore, our task is to honor and make holy and acknowledge the holiness of the name of God. 
And how do we do this? But by living the ways of God in the world. We make God's name holy by living as his people, his people who are called to care for others. We live as as his people who are called to love the world. We live as his people who are called to stand against injustice and cruelty and malice. Because if God's name is holy, God can't put up with that sort of thing. And if we're trying to honor God's name as holy, then we shouldn't put up with that either. So when we pray, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, that's part of what we're up to. This prayer forms us as people, as not just individuals, but as a group who will commit to honoring the holiness of God, not just with our lips, but with our actions. We have been, through Jesus, drawn into the identity of God and his family and his people. Because Israel was supposed to reflect the blessings of God out into the world and draw the world towards God. They were supposed to show the generosity of God to the rest of the world, which they did not always do that so well. And that's what Jesus did, is he lived this life to show the generosity and the graciousness and the love of God to the whole world by fulfilling the mission of Israel. And we are to live into this as well. When kids do and say outrageous things that are, are against the social norms, uh, when, you know, when your kid starts acting out in the grocery store, either being funny or cute or by throwing a tantrum because you won't get them the right kind of sugar cereal, parents get embarrassed. And they get embarrassed because they feel like that child who's writhing around on the floor because they picked up marshmallow mateys instead of Lucky Charms, they feel like that is a reflection on them as a parent. And we are called to reflect the identity of God our Father through this prayer. When we say God is our Father, we live as people who are then answerable to God as Father. We live out the family identity. You might have said at some point in your life, our family doesn't do that, or we don't do this in our family, or we don't do that as our family, or we do this in our family. I was always told, our family goes to church, so we're going to church. Our family loves the way God loves. Our family gives the way that God gives. Our family shows the ways of our God, our Father, to the world. And this prayer forms us in the way of our Abba, our Father. Because we are God's people 
through Jesus Christ. I said earlier, this is a formative prayer. This is not an acquisitive prayer. Even when we get down towards give us this day our daily bread, we're simply asking God to keep being himself. We're still asking God to just keep doing what you've been doing because you have always provided for us. We are being formed with God as our Father, with Jesus as our brother, and as our King. It's a bold thing for us to say, God is our Father, for us to pray, our Father in heaven. It's a little bit cheeky, isn't it, to say, Essentially, when we pray, hi, Dad. And we don't pray that way. We say, Our Father. But it's this boldness that we have through Christ that allows us to say this prayer, that allows us to call God our Father. It's this boldness that we have through Christ that allows us to live out a life that honors the holiness of God. And it's the boldness of Christ through Christ that invites us into God's family to have a seat at the table where once we are outsiders, now we're part of the family. Where once we were slaves to sin, slaves to death, slaves to our own way of life, through Christ we are now children of the Father, the Father, our Father in heaven, whose name is holy. Amen.
come now to our gathering at the Lord's table. This is something that our church does on the first and third Sunday of every month. We come to the table because it is where we recognize Jesus, so that when we go out into the world through the rest of the week, we can recognize the presence of Christ there and acknowledge his lordship wherever we go. If you are listening to this prior to 11.30 a.m. Pacific time on the 6th of September, 2020, we will be having communion as part of our Zoom coffee hour. Uh, Again, if you would like the link for that, you can email baptist.church at comcast.net and we'll happily send that to you and you could join with us. But if you are not able to join us on Zoom or if you're listening to this later, then feel free to partake of the Lord's Supper presently. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table, you who have much faith, and you who would like to have more, you who have been here often, and you who have not been for a long time, you who have tried to follow Jesus, and you who have failed, come. It is Christ who invites us to meet him here. In this we proclaim to you a mystery. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. Let us pray. Loving God, Through your goodness, we have this bread and cup to offer, which has come forth from the earth and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, We offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. On the night, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me looking back at what Christ did for us on the cross. Take and eat.
In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Looking back at what Christ did and looking forward to Christ, Christ's return, to Christ sharing this cup with us in the newness of creation, as God's people now take and drink. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. Let's pray together. Grant us, O Lord, to trust in you with all our hearts, for as you always resist the proud who confide in their own strength, so you never forsake those who make their boast of your mercy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us this morning. We thank you for attending to the presence of Christ as we have sung together, prayed together, and heard the Word of God proclaimed together. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for our prelude this morning. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in songs. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer this morning. I would like to thank Katie Witham and the First Baptist Church readers for our creative scripture reading this morning. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. And remember, as you go through your week, pray the Lord's Prayer at least once a day. And remember to love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.